take your Bibles and turn with me to one of the most familiar portions of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. If you came ready to receive something from the Lord this morning, would you say a good amen? Oh, that's good. You sound alive in July. Turn to someone and say, you sound alive. Go ahead. Tell them real quick. Let them know. That's good. If, if they start to doze off because it's been a rainy day, I get, you have my permission. Just grab them by the shoulders and shake them a little bit. How many of you know when it rains later today, you can take your nap? Amen? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We're in the second part of a series entitled Pivotal Decisions. Pivotal Decisions. So let me read that verse and we'll dive in uh, to the second part this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, someone say all our ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Other versions of that say that He'll make your path straight. How many of you believe that when you seek the face of God, he is able to clarify things for you and to make things easier to do? Father, this morning as we come into your word, may we decrease, may you increase. Let this word get deep into us in Jesus' name. Amen. It's important that every one of us has a process by which we make our decisions in life. Last week I said that we all make decisions every day, every week. Some of them are very small. Some of them are very big. For all of you who decided to get up this morning and actually get a shower and brush your teeth, on behalf of the rest of the church, I want to say thank you for a good decision. Glory to God. That was an easy one, I hope, for most of you. For some, there'll be decisions that you have a long time to think about. For other of us, there will be certain times in life when we have big decisions that we have to make in a short amount of time. I want to remind you that when we get the Lord involved in our decisions, that we can make great decisions every single time. I believe that believers, Christians, should make the best decisions of anyone else in the world. That's why this series is here, Pivotal Decisions. Last week we looked at just a couple. The first one was to pray for guidance. I want to remind you this morning that whenever you are dealing with something that you have to do and you're not sure what to do, that the first thing we can do is get get God involved in the decision-making process. How many of you are thankful that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you? That you have the counselor, the one that knows everything. Listen, the thing that I don't understand as a pastor of, when I've asked people, before you made that decision and it imploded on you and it turned out to be the wrong decision, did you get God involved in the process before you even decided what you were going to do? Every single time when it's been a bad decision, that person has said to me, no, I didn't even think to pray. Can we just come into agreement this morning? The Bible says that if we'll acknowledge God and everything, He will make our path straight. How many of you would like some straight paths this morning? Can we just covenant with one another that whenever you're going to make a decision, that you'll get God involved? The second thing was, in decision-making, get gather all the facts. Know what you're talking about and what you need to do. The third thing was to get godly counsel and to get good advice. The next thing is to choose wisely by choosing life. 
How many of you know that you can choose God's way or the world's way in any decision? There are right things to do and there are wrong things to do or to say. Choose life. The last thing that we left off last week was refuse to rush your decisions. How many of you understand people can give you timelines, but you don't have to live by the timelines of others? How many of you understand that when you seek the face of God and you know the Lord that you're operating on His timing, not your own, not what you wish would happen, not as fast as you'd like it to happen, not even what anyone else thinks, but only what God thinks? I want to remind you of what I left off last week, and that was this, that we discover our character and the character of others through the decisions that we make under pressure. The truth is that who you are before the problem is who you're going to be during the problem. Problems don't have a way of bringing out who you're going to be. They bring out who you already are. How many of you know that you need to have the character of God in your life so that under pressure you're able to make a godly decision? If you're taking notes, we're going to start fresh this morning with this thought. And I want you to look at me. I believe that every one of these are so vital because one of the things I can tell you, having pastored and helped people for a long time, is that many people do not have a process through which they run their decisions, whether they're getting married, whether they're buying a car, whether they're purchasing a house, whether they're deciding to go out with friends, or how they're going to speak to their husband or their wife, or how they're going to raise their kids. I want you to mark this down. This is part of the process this morning. And that's the next step of making a good decision is to count the cost. This is known as the principle of evaluation. You and I need to know if the decision that you're making or you're going to make is worth the time, the expense, the effort, or the investment. Listen, are you truly committed to seeing what you're going to do through Whether you decide to get married, whether you decide to have children, whether you decide to purchase something that's going to cost a lot of money, whether you decide you're going to say something on Facebook because someone said something that you disagree with. How many of you have found that it's important to count the cost before you open your mouth? Listen, Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, least after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Anything worth doing and any decision worth making is going to cost you something. Can I remind you this morning that not everything is worth it? The cost of sudden decisions are just too high. From exploding in anger to going into debt to giving up your call to ministry. Know the decision that God has placed on your heart and know that you need to be willing to follow through. Proverbs twenty twenty five in the New Living Testament says, Don't trap yourself by making rash, a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Someone said, and I love this, we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. 
And I love this because good decisions give us a good future. A good decision allows us to have exactly what we were hoping to get out of it. How many of you know that God gives you wisdom to make good decisions? I've heard a lot of people say, well, I just wasn't thinking. That's just a really common excuse. Can I remind you that excuses and reasons, even good ones, cannot change the consequences of a poor decision. One careless decision can lead to long-term consequences. But one great decision can lead to a lifetime of blessing. I want to remind you that good decision-making requires long-term and long-range thinking. If I do this, how will it affect things down the road? One of the things that we taught our children as they were growing up, we've been committed as a family not to going into debt. They say that the average American has about $10,000 in credit card debt. Maxing out the credit card. Listen, we've used our credit card for emergencies or booking hotels. Come on. Or when you're traveling, no one else can steal it when you're going to the gas pump. But I want to tell you one of the things that we taught them was this. If you have an emergency and you're maxed out, if you wind up with new tires or a breakdown, how many of you know you've, you've bought a lot of things that you don't even like two years later? You're still making payments on it. And now you don't have what you need to get you out of a bind. How many of you know we need to learn to think long term? I call it thinking through a decision. Having the long view of things. One of the things that I learned when I was riding, learning to ride my motorcycle, we went to a motorcycle safety course. And they always said this, when you're riding, you need to be looking at least three or four car lengths ahead of you. Don't just be looking at the car in front of you. You need to be planning where you're going because where you're looking is where you're going to wind up. And if all you're doing is looking right here, the thing that you can see, you're never going to notice what's coming. I thought that was so good. And I was only 15 when I went through that, that course. And it began to change. Listen, I wasn't mature enough to know all that. But someone spoke that into my life. And because of that, I avoided a lot of accidents. Can I tell you, because I was looking far ahead, I was able to make decisions that I saw coming because I was paying attention. Touch someone next to you and say, if you're going to make a decision, pay attention. Go ahead. Now I want you to write this down if you're taking notes this morning. When making a decision, plan for problems. I call this the, prepar- the principle of prepara- preparation. Can I tell you this morning, a problem does not mean that you made the wrong decision. It just means that now you must work through the problem. Listen, how many of you know if you're going to buy a house, it was a good decision to buy a house? And if you decide to renovate that house, you already know that you're going to run into some kind of problem. Any of you in this room ever have an older home and decide to renovate, and then you ran into problems? All of a sudden, you get into the wall, and you realize that that electrical work was done by someone who didn't know how to do electrical work. Or you go to renovate a bathroom, and you find out that that all of a sudden you thought you were just replacing some tile, but when you got into the wall, you realized that you needed to replace the entire plumbing or that there had been a leak going on in there for many years. Listen, if you're going to do something, if you're going to make a decision, prepare for problems. I want you to just hang with me for a minute. I want to read this verse, and I know you're going to wonder, what does this have to do with anything? 
1 Corinthians 7.28 says, But if you do marry, you have not sinned in doing so. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned in doing so. Yet those who marry will have troubles or special challenges in this life. And I'm trying to spare you that. How many of you know that even with good decisions come problems? How many of you have been married longer than five minutes? How many of you found out, listen, I've been married for going on 33 years next month. i got to tell you, the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Come on, someone say a good amen. I want to tell you, it really is. And when Dawn said yes to me, she didn't know all the problems I was bringing into the relationship. Even good decisions come with problems. Many people think they have made a mistake. Because the decision they made presented problems. Can I just tell you this morning, life has problems. People have problems. Touch someone next to you and tell them, you got problems. Go ahead. Tell them, you got problems. Oh, some of you have been wanting to tell them that for a long time. Anytime you do something worth doing, you're going to run into stuff. I don't know when Christians wound up with the same mindset of the world that we thought if we did something good, we'd never have any problems. But we must make the decision to deal with our problems by then being good decision makers. And you cannot prepare for every contingency. But you can prepare your heart for them. I don't know what you're doing to her up there, but you're causing me problems. Hallelujah. (laughs) I love grandchildren. Listen, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I want to remind you that when you become a decision maker and a problem solver, the first thing you do is take heart. I used to get real upset every time I'd wind up having to buy new tires. Listen, how many of you are thankful God gave you the provision to buy new tires? God gave you a car? Listen, you're going to have to change the oil. Those are all good problems to have. Listen, be a good decision maker. If the Lord gives you that, don't leave the oil in your car for twenty or 30,000 miles before you change it. How many of you believe you need to make a good decision to do it ahead of time? Watch this. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. But the simple pass on and they're punished. Part of proper preparation is proper anticipation. You see, good decision-making sees problems and takes the appropriate actions to shield themselves. The unwise see things coming and do nothing and face the consequences. It was interesting as we were driving through uh, Cades Cove while we were on vacation up in Tennessee. Cades Cove is known for all their black bears. And on the side of the road, about 50 people decided to start a traffic jam because they thought the appropriate place to watch bears up in a tree would be in the middle of the road and stop their car and everybody get out. Now listen, how many of you know if a bear goes up a tree, it needs to... Yet many of these people decided the brilliant idea would be to stand at the bottom of the tree and look at the treed mama bear with her three cubs in the tree. All of a sudden, as the bear comes down the tree, they realize they are at the bottom 
up the tree and out of their car. How many of you know that was not a good decision? Somebody could have anticipated that before they got out of their vehicle. The unwise see things coming and do nothing. And they face the consequences. I want you to hear me. A decision to do nothing is still a decision to do something. Your something is nothing, and nothing good can come of that. Make a decision. If you're taking notes, mark this down. When making good decisions, we must face our fears. This is the principle of confrontation. Can I remind you that everybody faces fear? Fear is not a sign of weakness. Fear is a sign of our humanity. I found this. Nobody wants to be wrong. Everybody desires to get things right. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You and I can face our fears because we can trust God. And because we trust God, we can know that we're safe. I want you to listen. Good decision makers refuse to be a slave to other people's opinion. Have you ever asked people an opinion and you asked one person and they gave you this opinion and you asked another person and they gave you that opinion and then you asked another person and they gave you another complete opinion? A lot of people get really paralyzed by all of that. Ultimately, what should matter to us is what does God think? And the truth is that sometimes the person we fear is ourselves because we don't trust our own abilities. I want to encourage you this morning that the Bible tells us that whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. It is unwise to trust ourselves. I've found that our own hearts, our own motives, our own desires can betray us. But facing our fears also means that we don't get analysis paralysis, that we don't analyze things to death. Have any of you ever analyzed something to death? Every one of us must do our due diligence But some people are so afraid of doing anything wrong that they never get to do anything right. Sometimes things are not as clear as we would like. Sometimes all our concerns are answered and sometimes they're not. But I want to remind you this morning that God is not the author of confusion. But he also doesn't always show us the entire path. There are a lot of times that I've, in my prayer time, said, Lord, I know you want me to do something, but I need you to show me. And God will show me two things. He'll tell me what the outcome will be, but then he only shows me the next step. He didn't show the step after the first step, or the third step, or the fourth step. He showed the first step, And then what was going to be accomplished because I would follow him by faith. I want to remind you that every step of faith is trust in the certainty of the goodness of God. Is there anyone in this room this morning who believes that you serve a good God? 
Listen, any time that you walk by faith, it's never blind faith. It is proven trust. It is not a risk if the one you are trusting has proven themselves time and time again. How many of you have found that God is faithful time and time again? One of the things when I get with people who come to my office and say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. I said, but did God tell you to do it? Yes, I'm certain of it. Then do you believe that God would ever do something for you that wasn't for you? Even if it was something difficult. Even if it was something that you couldn't see or understand all of. Do you still trust him? Have you found that he's been good? Has God ever let you down before? In the middle of that conversation they say, no, God has always been faithful. Now listen, the goodness of God doesn't mean that God will never ask you to do things that you don't like. The goodness of God doesn't mean that God will never ask you to do something that's not hard. How many of you know we need to stop being afraid of hard? Just because something isn't easy doesn't mean that it's not from God. Listen, how many of you are thankful for your children today? How many of you know raising them was not easy? Come on, someone say a good amen. But they're from the Lord. Now mark this down. Once you decide to make a decision, go for it. I call this the principle of initiation. This is the point at which you must stop talking about something and start acting. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. The New Living Translation says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Listen, there is a time to stop worrying and trying to figure it all out and get to work. It's not always what we know that makes a good decision. It's what we do to implement and execute it that makes a good decision. I love what Thomas Edison said. He said, success is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. Someone else said some, that, that uh, 90% of success is just showing up. If you're not even doing it, then nothing's going to get done. But whatever you commit to the Lord, listen to me, you must commit to doing. The Bible says commit your things to the Lord, your works to the Lord. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. But whatever you commit to the Lord, you must commit to doing. When we stood in church with Brittany for the first time with our child and we began to dedicate her to the Lord, dedication means we're committing our children to the Lord. We said, God, we give back to you that which you've given to us but we understand you've given us the trust of raising her for Jesus. When we walked away from that altar, my pastor, my mentor looked at me and he said, listen, Marvin, you dedicated Brittany to the Lord. Now it's up to you to raise her for Jesus. Get to work. Whatever you commit to God, you must be committed to doing yourself. Whatever business 
decision you've made and you've committed it to the Lord, you've got to be committed to doing that business to the best of your ability and walking in the wisdom with what he's led you with. If you want to see your finances succeed, you commit those things to the Lord, but you need to get to work doing things his way. Listen, good ideas are useless if they're never implemented. Yesterday when I thought on that, God reminded me that you get some of the best ideas when you're in the shower, but most of them never make it past the towel. (laughs) My wife will tell you right around our, our shower, I get some of the best sermon ideas when I'm taking a shower. But if I don't think of them and I don't write them down, I lose them. I've kept a pen and a paper right near the shower. If not, I call my wife. Listen, the Lord told me something. I need you to write this down. Because I know if I go to drying off, I might forget every bit of it. How many of you are thankful for the inspiration of the Lord? The leading of God? Good decisions are only effective if they're made and they're acted upon. And someone needs to hear this really deep spiritual thing. There are millions of squirrels all over the world that don't make the decision and they end up dead in the middle of the road. The other day I was just driving home from the church, going to the house. The squirrel came right into the middle of the world. He, made, he came in, he went back, he came in, he went back. I finally just stopped the car. Would you please make a decision? He stopped and he looked at me. And we had a conversation, me and the squirrel. He looked up at me and he said, thank you, sir, for not running me over. I said, I'd thank you if you just leave. And I honked the horn. And he looked at me and he went, and he left. I think he was an Italian squirrel. <laughs> Listen, every one of us have good ideas that never get off the ground. I want to ask you a question. How do you know that you're trusting God? When you put feet to your faith. I want you to really get what I'm about to tell you. Most people don't plan to destroy their lives. But they make destructive decisions at pivotal times that have severe consequences. I've never once met anyone who woke up in the morning and said, you know, I'd like to make bad decisions today that absolutely mess up my life. I've never once had someone in my office go, you know what I'd like? I want you, pastor, to help me make the worst decision I can make today so that the rest of my life really is going to be very difficult. Not once have I ever had anyone do that to me. Now, I've had people tell me, I really want to do this. And I'll look at them and go, it's going to be a really bad decision. They go, but I still really want to do it. I say, well, you can go ahead and do it, but you're going to pay the consequences. I love what someone said. They said, never make decisions when you're hungry, lonely, angry, or tired. (laughs) We're going to lay hands on Monica after church today. (laughs) I was introduced to a, a new term called hangry. I never realized that's what I was. When I get hungry, I get angry. My wife will look at me, go eat something. I want to focus on two of those things for a moment. I found that the worst time to make destiny decisions is when you're tired. 
I love what someone said, tired eyes rarely have good focus. When you're tired, your decision-making ability is very limited, and it's hasty, and your judgment's clouded. I want to give you nine reasons real quick why not to make important decisions when you're tired. Number one, obstacles appear bigger than they really are. Secondly, disappointments seem heavier than they really are. Next, your goals seem unattainable. Molehills look like mountains. They're really not much of a problem. If you just get some sleep, you'd realize you could step over it. Next, your dreams begin to feel like fantasies instead of attainable things that God have placed in your heart. When you're tired, your relationships seem shallow. When you're tired, your words can become careless and rash. The truth is, when you're tired, you're more sensitive to be offended by people. When you're tired, your mind becomes cluttered with mistakes. And when you're tired, you can't distinguish the immediate from distance. You can't tell what needs done now or what can wait. You ever been tired when you're driving and someone is pulling out, but they're actually like three blocks away and you jam on the brakes? I did that one time when Billy was in the car and he looked at me. He goes, you are a safe driver, but you're crazy. I said, they were pulling out. He said, you're pulling over. You're tired. I'm going to drive now. Being tired clouds everything. And the truth is, when we're tired, we become unreasonable. And tired and exhaust us, it being exhausted makes us reason more like children than like grown, mature adults. So when you're tired, listen, choose to not make big decisions. Another thing that can really mess with our decision-making process is anger. Man, I want to tell you, we've had a fantastic time at our men's breakfast the last couple months as we've been talking about emotions that can destroy. A lot of us deal with anger. And the Bible has a great day to say about what happens when we make a decision when we're angry. I want to read a couple of those verses to you instead of just preaching. How many of you believe the Bible can just tell it better than any preacher could? James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for angry lodges in the bosom of fools. How many of you have seen a lot of angry people make some pretty bad decisions? Proverbs 14.29, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 16.32, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 15.18, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Proverbs 29, 2, A man of wrath stirs up strife, but one given to anger causes much transgression. You ever notice that when you're angry, it seems like a good decision to just burn it down? Man, I'm angry. What you said, I'm just going to let you have every bit of what I'm going to say. 
I'll burn the relationship. I've had more husbands and wives in my office because in the moment of a heated moment, instead of making a good decision to speak or to not speak, they said everything that was on their mind and it destroyed everything they'd spent years investing in. Burn it down. I knew one person who didn't like what the insurance company had did with his business. Something had happened, and he decided to light his entire business on fire. He didn't just literally burn it down. I mean, he literally burned it down. Not a good decision. Anger will make you do crazy things. Decisions made in anger have ruined more people than we can care to imagine. And we have all said and done things in anger that we wish we could undo. I want you to get this as I end this morning. Wise decisions are made by people who know how to confidently control their emotions, their responses, and their impulses. I want to say it again. Wise decisions are made by people who know how to confidently control their emotions, responses, and impulses. I have diabetes. Every once in a while I want a donut. And I like glazed donuts. How many of you know glazed donuts are good? You want to know what are the best donuts? I don't know why no one makes them around here. They're buttercream filled donuts. I cannot find but They used to make them at Publix. I can go to Pittsburgh and walk into Bethel Bakery where I grew up. I can buy an entire tray of buttercream donuts. When I go home, I always buy some buttercream donuts. But here's the thing. If I am wise, I eat one. If I am unwise and I bring the dozen home, I grab a cup of coffee and three of them. How many of you know that is not smart? That's an emotional decision. It is not a wise decision. It's a delicious decision. It is a yummy decision. I love every bit of that. Listen, that buttercream is glorious. It's wonderful. It's heavenly. I believe part of the marriage supper of the Lamb, there's going to be buttercream donuts for breakfast. If any of you works for Publix, please bring back the buttercream donuts. I'm just asking you. I don't ask for much, just a nice thick buttercream. Listen, but wise decisions are made by people who control their emotions and their impulses. The Bible says that whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, and that he is slow to anger is better than the mighty. The whole purpose of this two-week series is to help us all have a process of making good decisions, no matter what they are. Do I go to college? Do I not go to college? Do I quit this job and go to the next one? Do I marry this person or not? Do I need to purchase that item or not? What do I do with the boss that I don't even like? What do I do with that person that I work with every day that just absolutely is delightful to be around and they flirt with me all the time? Just so you know, I work with my wife, so it's okay. <laughs> Listen, I believe that God is equipping every one of us. Would you please look at me? I believe that one of the things that really sets Christians apart from the rest of the world is the way we make decisions. The way we bring things to the Lord. 
because it becomes a witness of how God leads and directs our lives, and we have the results to show for it. If you'd like some good results to show for your decisions, would you say a good amen? amen? Now listen, I know there's miracles here in the middle of July. I got you out 15 minutes early. Come on, stand with me this morning. Glory to God. If you got something out of this, would you say a good amen? amen. That's a good decision. Thank you for encouraging your preacher. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want to ask in this room, some of you are in a moment of decision right now. I don't know what it is. It could be something simple. It could be something not so simple. I just want to remind you that the Lord is here to help you, to lead you, to guide you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. You'd say, Pastor, I'm making some decisions this week and I just need the help of the Lord. Would you lift your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Lord, I thank you that you're equipping us right in the middle of summer, Lord, a very practical teaching. Thank you for your word that is rich. It's wonderful. Lord, I thank you that the fact we are making decisions is a great thing. It means we have choices to make that we're not being forced. Thank you, God, for the freedom to choose. Lord, I pray for those that lifted their hands right now that you'd give them wisdom from the very heart of God. I pray, thank you, Jesus, that when we include you in the process and you're the very beginning of that process, that you lead us through the whole thing. And I thank you, Lord, that they're going to have the results that will be even better than they ever dreamed possible. Whether it's a business decision, a family decision, Lord, you know exactly what it is. And I thank you, Lord, that this process we've talked about these two weeks apply to everything. Now, Lord, I pray that for all of us who aren't making crucial decisions right now, that, Lord, you would continue to allow us to walk in wisdom. Let the witness of our life be proof to the world around us that you are good, that you are faithful, and that your wisdom pays off every single time. Now, Lord, this summer, I pray your blessing. Lord, there are many still on vacation. I pray you're refreshing upon them in the name of Jesus. There are many of us about to walk into vacation and, and just to, to, to really get that rest that we need. I pray that there'd be adventure and rest. Lord, I pray you'd bless our teachers who've got about two weeks left before they head back to school, the students. Lord, I pray these next couple weeks would just be the most, that they'd be long. I pray that they'd feel longer than school year does. But Lord, I pray you'd prepare their hearts for all the good things that are about to come. Lord, we trust you, we love you, and we give you a glory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, the Lord bless you. May you have an incredible week.